Good morning. Look at all those beautiful smiling faces out there. Now you can hear me. Oh, I can hear me anyway. <laughs> there I am. Well, I'm so thankful to be with you again today. Thanks for having me back. Um, I actually get your guys' emails, so I have been doing and reading the little Lenten devotionals, and um, I've just really appreciated that. So thank you for those of you who are putting that together. Um, as, as we know, it's Lent, and it's the time that we really remember what Jesus went through for us. And, you know, as we think about Jesus, and we think about what it means to follow him, which we've talked about in the past, right? What it means to follow Jesus. I've come to realize that we have to really know this Jesus that we're choosing to follow, right? Because if we want to follow him, we have to know him. We have to know how he speaks. We have to know how he lived and what he challenged us with. And in, in the Bible, there's four books of the Bible that really speak and show us about this Jesus. And right, they're called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's in those Gospels that we get to know this Jesus that we're choosing to follow. There's a passage in Matthew. It's Matthew 5 through 7. And we call it the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's where Jesus has his followers and his disciples. They're sitting down and he's sharing with them the truth of his upside-down kingdom. Because God's kingdom is not of this world. It's not like the kingdoms of earth. He's sharing about the upside-down kingdom. He talks about things like, you're blessed when life is hard. He talks about how anger is as bad as murder and lust is as bad as adultery. He challenges his, his listeners with the fact that if they don't forgive, God will not forgive them. He goes on and challenges them to love their enemies and to pray for those who have hurt them. He talks about giving and not expecting any uh, affirmation of that, to just give. He talks about not worrying and not judging. He is speaking about an upside-down kingdom. So he's, he's went through this sermon, and he's like, okay, so what are you going to do with what I have just said? Jesus was challenging his followers. Are you going to take what I said and you're going to, are you going to go home and say, you know, I just heard that Jesus guy. Wow, he's a good speaker. No idea what he talked about. But man, you should go hear him. Right? Or did he want his, his followers to be like, oh my gosh, I just heard that Jesus guy. He is amazing. And he spoke life into me. I need to change my life. I need to work on some things. I want to take what he said and make it real in my life. Because Jesus had just shared all this truth. All of these things that would have challenged what they have been taught. To take what they've been taught and make it more real to them. So he gives a visual because he wants his followers to really think about what he has said and what they are going to do with it. So at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, 
in Matthew 7, verse 24. Listen to what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I'm sure most of you have heard this passage before. In fact, when I was growing up, we sang the little song all of my growing up years about the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? And all of us kids at the end, we loved when the foolish man's house went splat, and we thought that was the be- probably the best part of the song. But we all knew that it was better to be the wise man. We all knew that even though it was fun to do the splat part, that it was better to be the wise man. So we have two men. They both listened. They both built houses. They both endured storms. But what was the difference? It was their foundation, wasn't it? So a couple months ago in November, um, my daughter was studying abroad in Rome, Italy. And uh, my friend Amy and I were like, let's go visit her. Because, right, why not? What a great excuse to go to Rome. So um, we got to go there for, we were gone eight days. We were in Rome for six full days. And I thought I knew what old was. Okay, because in America, we're like, okay, something's 200 years old. Wow, that's old. Or we think 400 years like Plymouth Rock, right? The pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock in 1620. That was 400 years ago. That's old. Okay, you go to Rome and you see old, okay? Like things that were built thousands of years ago, like before Jesus, old, right? So, um, my daughter Hope, she, she had the gift, she has the gift of like being taught something and being able to spit it back out to you. So she had just taken a class on the history of the ancient Roman world and the history of the early church. So not only did she get to share with us all of these amazing historical facts, we actually got to see it. We got to see these places that she talked about. It was amazing. One of the things that um, Amy and I got to do, because we didn't have hope every single day, um, we got to go on a six-hour bike tour of ancient Rome. Okay? Now you think, six hours on a bike. They were electric. Okay? So we even had, we even had, she's like, the tour guide was like, okay, so when we're going up a hill, hit turbo. We're like, oh yeah, turbo's where it's at, right? So yes, we rode our bikes for six hours, but um, it was amazing to see kind of the back roads and to see where, um, just all the different things. It was really cool. Well, one of the roads that we got to ride on was called the Appian Way. It was actually built, it started being built 312 BC, okay? The longest, oldest road in Italy. Now, I think of the roads in Montana, okay? The Romans knew how to build roads, 
Okay, we have all the best technology, and we have potholes, and we have all these things that just wash our roads away, right? Well, here's a picture of the Appian Way. And you can see, well, first of all, we rode our bikes on that. It was like this, right? It doesn't matter if you had an electric bike or not. Riding on those rocks was in insane. Um, but part of, like, parts of the road have been you know, modernized so vehicles could drive on them, but parts of it is still like this. And you look at that, it is rock, and it is still there because that foundation made a difference. The other thing that was so fascinating about Rome, well, I don't know, has anyone here been to Rome? Okay, I, we would just be walking, and we walked everywhere because after we got to the place where we were staying, we were not about to get on public transportation because we did not know where we would end up, and we did not speak Italian. So we walked everywhere. And uh, we would just be walking down this main road, and all of a sudden there's these huge excavations. Like, huge, like, I don't know, I don't know distances, like 50 feet down, okay? And there's these huge pillars and these steps, and we would just be, we're like, what? The first one, we were like taking all these pictures because we didn't know that there was tons of them, okay? In fact, there's three metros underground in Rome, okay? They are trying to build more because there's so many people there. But while they're digging underground, they keep running into ancient artifacts and they have to stop their digging and it has to be excavated and it has to be explored. So they're actually having trouble building more metros because there's so much history. Now, in Rome, they actually consider Rome to be built like lasagna, okay? It's built in layers. And um, the Romans wanted to make sure that they were the smartest and the strongest and the, you know, all of that. So they took a lot of pride in their building. Now, some of these buildings were built like way B.C., okay? And when you dig down, as they were digging down, they would find that buildings were built on buildings were built on buildings. But lots of times, at the very bottom, there would be a foundation that was the earliest. Here's a picture of one of the places. So you can see the white there, the white bricks, are the oldest part, and they just built around it. Because the Romans knew that the foundation was the most important part of their building. And that is what was going to make it so strong. Because foundations make a difference in our lives and make a difference even when we're building things. So if we go back to Jesus's challenge, okay? That was just my little history lesson for today. So you got to go on a little bit of Rome with me. Um, it was a very, very neat, neat opportunity that we had. So we look at Jesus's challenge and he talks about a wise man and he talks about a foolish man. Now, when things are going good in our lives, we don't necessarily, like, worry about our foundation too much, right? It's like, everything's going good. I'm good. No, you know, it's, it's all good. But what actually tests our foundation? What does Jesus say tests our foundation? What can happen that says what kind of foundation you have? Is he okay? I just want to make sure he's okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, let's look in Matthew 7, 25. 
It says, the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. It's the storms, the storms of life that are so hard. The storms of life that, dare I say, we actually might need. That is what tests our true foundation and what we will stand on. Now, I'm not saying that God causes hard things and God causes storms, but what I'm saying is God God uses the storms and the hard things in our lives to point us back to him every time. Now, it's pretty cool if you think about Jesus, the creator. Not one word that he said was haphazard, right? He didn't just randomly pick things to say. He spoke with intention. So you think about how he talked about why did he choose rain and storms and wind and floods? Well, think about it. When rain comes, what happens? For one, it makes things grow. And it washes away the impurities. So when our storms come and we're experiencing that rain in our lives, we can say, God, use the rain. Use the rain to grow me in my relationship with you. Use the rain to wipe away the things that are not of you. And then he talked about floods. Now, one of the things that floods do is they wipe away all of the invasive things that have happened in an environment so the native species can grow strong. So when we have these floods of life where we feel like we're overwhelmed and we don't know how we're going to go on, we can say, God, use this flood in my life to get rid of that stuff that's invading who I need to be and who you've created me to be. And then Jesus talks about how the wind came and beat against that house. Now, nowadays, we use wind for energy, right? We can say, God, use the wind that I'm going through to motivate me, to give me the energy to seek you in the midst of my storm. Because Jesus wasn't just talking randomly, and he just randomly chose wind and rain and floods. No, he knew because he is the creator, what is best. Now, I'm not saying that the foundation, that the storm is the foundation. Sometimes we feel like that, don't we? That if we have a storm, then I must be doing something wrong. Well, if you think about it, that wise man in our story, in our parable, he was doing everything right, and he still endured a storm. Because our storms are not our foundations. Nor does our storm indicate where we're going to end up. Sometimes we think, if I go through a storm, I'm not going to survive. I don't know what's going to happen. But our storm does not indicate where we're going to end up. There's a story about two young men who were raised by an alcoholic father. One man grew up to be an alcoholic. And he said, well, of course I did. Look at my experience. What else could I do? What else could I become? That was the only example that I had. The other son chose to abstain from alcohol and not drink. 
And he said, well, of course that's what I chose. Look at my experience. What else could I do? I knew I had to do something different. The first son used his experience as an excuse to live however he wanted. The second son used his experience as a reason to live differently. Because our storms do not determine where we end up. Our foundation is the most important. Our foundation determines what happens when we have the storm of rejection. When we have the storm of a terrible diagnosis. When we have the storm of a wayward child. Our foundation determines what happens. Now when I talk about foundation, it's, it's that thing that we turn to when life is really hard. That place where we go when the world all around us is sinking sand. Our foundation is where our mind and our heart choose to go and choose to believe, what, they cho what we choose to believe in the midst of our storms. So we have two men. They both listened. They both built houses. They both endured a storm. And they had different results, didn't they? Jesus says that they were built on sand. One was built on sand, and one was built on rock. Let's read verse, 20, or verse 24 and 26. Let's find out what makes it sand and what makes it rock. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So what made it rock and what made it sand? The one who applied what he heard, right? Because there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference between knowing and doing. You know, if you wanted to become a personal trainer, okay, someone that helps people walk through getting stronger and getting physically fit, and you go and you study and you read all the books, you know everything about nutrition, about exercise, about weight loss, about muscles, and you tell people, I am a physical trainer. I am a personal trainer. This is what I do. But if you never step foot in a gym, if you never actually talk to someone about this, are you a personal trainer? I would venture to say no, right? Because there is a difference between knowing and doing. So what this is really saying is that our foundation is based on what we do with what we hear. It's so important. The book of James is another place. Um, if you want to know about how to put your faith into action, James is the book for you because it's packed full of how faith without works is dead. Let's read James 1, 22 to 25. It says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but, not, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. James is saying, if you want to be wise, don't just listen, but put into action what you know to be true. Now, most of us think of ourselves as the wise one, don't we? It's much easier to say, oh, they should be doing that. They are the foolish one. Look at that sandy foundation they're building on, right? In fact, I would guess some of you here today are actually thinking of someone else that needs to hear this sermon, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that what we do, right? We're always like, oh, they need to hear this. So and so, oh, they could really use this message. How about for today? You think about what God is saying to you. What does God want to say to you that you need to put into practice? Because I will tell you, any one of us at any time can find ourselves on a sandy foundation. None of us are above that. A sandy foundation is when God tells you to go give and you buy yourself a coffee instead. A sandy foundation is when God challenges you to forgive someone who hurt you and you say, oh no, you don't know what has happened. I'm going to live in my bitterness until they say they're sorry. A sandy foundation is when we can tell people or post it somewhere or tell people all the right things to do, right? On Facebook people are, and Instagram, people are often putting Bible verses or great challenges. And it's, you know, when we do that, but then we go home and everyone in our house knows we don't live what we are saying, what we are posting. Any one of us can find ourselves on a sandy foundation. When our hope and everything that we hold on to is based on anything but Jesus, when we have our hope in our job, our family, money, our career, when we have our hope in our church, when we have our hope in people, and then those things change or are gone, what are we left standing on? Because Jesus is the only solid rock that we can stand on. And we have to be so careful not to be standing on that sandy foundation. Because when we do, when we do find ourselves on sand, which, like I said, any one of us can do, we find ourselves faltering that's when more decisions are made to turn to anger 
to turn to substances, to turn to gossip. Because we have to make ourselves feel better because our hope was in this and our hope was in this and our hope was in this and now it's all gone. So what we do is we just start searching. What can I grab onto that'll make me feel better in the moment? Can happen to any of us. But I love that Jesus gives us hope. Jesus is the hope that we can step off of that sandy foundation and we can step onto a rock. We can step on to him because we all want to be wise. We want to have our foundation on the rock. And sometimes it's just one decision at a time. If you think about some of the strongest, most, most empathetic, kindest people that you know, I can guarantee you that they've been through a storm. I can guarantee you that their life has not been perfect. And if you ask them, what has made you so strong? What has made you so kind? What has made you be able to endure so much? They would say, I blame it on the rain. I blame it on the storms, on the rain of my life. Because when the rain was coming, when the storms were coming, I had to dig down deep to know what I believed. I had to dig down deep to know Jesus for myself and to be able to walk out his truth. I blame it on the rain, that the rain is what grew me in compassion. The rain is what grew in me forgiveness and gentleness. I used to think that, an, that if I had a harsh word, I would win. But because of my rain, I now see that a gentle answer turns away wrath. I blame it on the rain because it is the rain of our lives that prove our foundation and who we become. Now, I want to make something clear real quick. I am not saying that our salvation is based on our works, okay? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 makes that very clear. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God so no one can boast. Salvation is not through works. Our salvation is based on the grace of God. Jesus' death and his resurrection is what saves us. When we are saved, we get these tools. We get these materials, and we get to choose what kind of house we build. We get to choose where we build our house. When we are saved, I get to choose. Am I going to build my life on my feelings? Am I going to build my life on what I think is best? Or am I going to build my life on the truth of Jesus and on his grace and his love? That is what it means to step out from the sandy foundation onto the rock of Jesus.
Now you might ask, what are some ways I can do this? How can I get my foundation stronger? And you know, when everything's going good, it's the easiest time to build things like this. Getting in the Word, spending time reading the Word, spending time in prayer, even memorizing Scripture. You know, in Psalm 119, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When we have that truth in ourselves, when we have that truth in our hearts, then when we're tempted, God has an opportunity to remind us of that. It's kind of like if you ever get a song stuck in your head, right? I get songs stuck in my head sometimes. And I woke up the other day singing, working nine to five. Why I was singing that, I don't know, but you get a song in your head. So fill your mind with worship songs. Fill your mind with truth so that when the storms come, you have something solid to stand on. Because it's always our choice what we do when the storm comes. It's always our choice to see trouble or see blessing. To be angry or be gentle. To watch this or not to watch it, depending on if it builds us up. You know, it's easiest when the life is calm to start those things. But what about when we're in the middle of the storm and we don't know how we're going to keep going? God, in his great love and mercy, gives us little doors of opportunity. Those little thoughts that come in your mind that say, why don't you try being gentle right now instead of harsh? And you get the choice. Am I going to do it or am I not? When you hear that little voice in your head that says, I want you to forgive. Don't worry. I want you to trust me. It's when we have those little doors in the middle of our storm that we get to choose if we walk through it or not. A few years ago, I was really hurt by someone. This person hurt me very deeply. And because of the way that I had to drive my kids to different practices and things, I had to drive by her house all the time. And if I'm honest, I did not pray a lot of blessing over her. I really had nothing good to say in my heart, in my mind. And even seeing her house would like trigger all these feelings in me. And this one day I was driving by and I felt this, I felt this thing in my heart, this little voice in my head that said, I want you to start praying for her. I was like, you what? You, you want me to pray for her? I was like, okay. All I can pray right now is, Lord, bless her. That's all I could manage to get out. Eventually, I was able to pray for her family and pray for her as a person. And not too long after that happened, 
I came face to face with her. And I'm so thankful that God in his mercy, when I came face to face with her, God had softened my heart. Because of who he is, he softened my heart that I could look at her, I could have a conversation, and not look at her with, dare I say, hatred. But God had softened my heart to walk in forgiveness. Because in the midst of my storm, God gave me the opportunity to step off that sandy foundation of resentment that any one of us can find ourselves in. And sometimes we don't even realize how sandy of a foundation we are standing on. Sometimes we actually liked the sand because, by golly, it feels good to wallow. It feels good to feel sorry for ourselves. It feels good to make, keep making the same bad decisions that we're making. Sometimes the sand feels good between our toes. And we don't know if we want to move off of it. You know, just, just last week, I was driving in my car, feeling sorry for myself. I just wanted someone to hear what a bad day I was having. I just wanted someone to feel sorry for me. And I heard this voice say, why don't you put on some worship music? Really? I am enjoying feel, feeling sorry for myself right now. Sometimes it takes us a while but the longer it takes us to realize we're on Sandy Foundation and the longer we ignore that little voice, that little bit of truth in our heads and in our hearts, the sandier our foundation becomes. And not only that, it has a ripple effect to the people around us. It has a ripple effect in our own lives. If I choose to stay bitter, if I choose to keep walking in rejection, if I choose methods of escape, that will just lead to more. Of course I started searching for love in all the wrong places. Do you know what it's like in my marriage? Of course I had to reach out. Of course I had to start drinking. Because do you know what it's like in my life? Of course I started searching the internet. Because I'm just so lonely. Because once we're on that sandy foundation, we can start enjoying it, and then it has a ripple effect. And then our choices affect the other people around us. I am so thankful, though, that the opposite is also true. That when we choose to step out of the sand and onto the rock, it also has a ripple effect. 
when I chose that day to start praying for my friend, who I can call my friend now, it had a ripple effect onto my children. It had a ripple effect onto the people who knew the situation. Because what we choose affects other people, not just us. And what we choose in the midst of our storm really does make a difference. So I challenge you, what kind of a ripple effect are you having in your life? Are you enjoying the sand a little too much between your toes? Is there something that God is saying? Yep, you're doing pretty good. You're on the rock, but you got a little toe in the sand over there. Because not one of us is above that. Each one of us can find ourselves in a sandy situation sometimes. And I want to tell you what Jesus would tell you today. It's not too late. He would tell you, I love you, and I see you. I see your struggle. I see your hurt. I see your pain. I see your storm. And it's not too late. It's okay that you haven't been perfect. It's okay that you don't have life all figured out. I want to walk with you. It's not too late. Will you choose to trust me? Will you choose to get in my word and know me for who I am? Will you choose my ways over your selfish ways? Will you choose my ways over the ways that you've always responded? Will you choose gentleness over harshness and anger, even though that's always gotten you your way? Will you choose kindness over manipulation? Will you choose humility over pride? And Jesus would say, you're not alone. I'm going to walk with you as you get from the sand to the rock. Because you are that important to me. Every day, we have choices to stay in the sand or to step onto the rock. What is your choice today? What is God speaking to you today? Not what God's speaking to someone else or what you wish God would speak to someone else. But where is it? What is it in your life today that feels a little sandy? And God's saying, I want you to step on to the rock of my truth. And he will walk with you. And he will give you doors of opportunity. We get to choose if we walk through them and if we see them that way. Would you please bow your heads with me? God, I thank you that you are so faithful. I thank you 
that we can say, God is with me in this storm. And I thank you that you give us hope that we don't have to live in the sand. But as we choose to apply the word of God to our lives, that we can step onto the rock. Lord, I pray for each person here that as they seek you and as you speak to them, that they will have boldness and courage to not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Thank you, Jesus, that you have not left us alone, but you walk with us. In your precious name, amen. Now, sometimes it's really easy to think, but the Bible's so big. Where do I go? What am I going to read? My challenge this week, as well as your, all your Lenten devotions, is read Matthew 5 through 7. It's your homework, okay? I'll be back in two weeks. Matthew 5 through 7. And ask Jesus to show you one thing, that he wants to take you from sand to rock. And it might be different for each person. And I promise you that when you ask Jesus to show you, he's going to show you. So often we miss God's answers because we're not actually looking for the answer. So when you open up your Bible to read, whether it's Matthew 5 through 7 or it's something else, ask Jesus to show you. What do you want me to see in this? And I promise that he will be faithful.